In the 1975 Egyptian movie Oridu Hallan, I Want a Solution, there's a scene where the main character, a mother seeking a divorce from her adulterous husband, sits in a courtroom listening to other women who plead with the judge for access to their money, property, or even children, all denied based on supposedly Sharia-derived Egyptian law. Most of the women in the movie are unveiled, reflecting a time in Egypt when short skirts and high boots were common, but women had fewer legal rights than they do today. When I was 15, 16, I did wear mini skirts and high heels and everything. But what was the situation in education and in work and in marriage and in divorce and in independent life and autonomy and agency? That was not very good either. So the idea of veil or no veil or the idea of appearance is not always an accurate measurement of what's going on. Omaima Abu Bakr is a professor at Cairo University and now dresses much more conservatively, including wearing a veil. She edited a book on Islamic feminism and co-founded the Women and Memory Forum, a women's rights NGO. We have a, a, a huge library that has all sorts of resources, books, old and new. She believes Islam and feminism can coexist, but with some reinterpretations of the classical texts. We're correcting, we're reforming past patriarchal interpretations of the religion. Most of the conflicts between Islam and modern women's rights she attributes to culture rather than the actual religion since she sees Islam as a dynamic religion adaptable to the times. In her research, she digs into the Quran and other sources of Sharia law, analyzing from what she calls a perspective of equality and justice. I had to, I still am, day in, day out, trying to deal with these conflicting or, or divergent uh, discourses, trying to deal with them on the personal level because I have a personal stake at this. This is part of my self-perception, a, a practicing Muslim person and a feminist too. She represents one of several perspectives on how observant Muslim women can merge their religious beliefs with their feminist values. Look now, I put this on. Amna Nusser is in her kitchen making termis, an Egyptian snack made of broad beans boiled and soaked in salt water. She's preparing for a visit from her adult children and their families and is looking forward to preparing their favorite dishes. I am and have been an example of this Islamic feminism movement. Nosser teaches Islamic philosophy and comparative religion in the women's section at Al-Azhar University. She also served as the dean of the section for a decade before she quasi-retired to focus on teaching and advocating for a stronger role for women at the government-affiliated religious institution and in society in general. She often comments on women's issues on television and says she gets a lot of questions from young women women studying at the conservative Al-Azhar about what Islam says about their rights as women. I welcome the feminism movements. I accept any new ideas, whether feminism, women's rights, or their future, provided they don't wander away from the fixed teachings of our Islamic law. She argues if you go far enough back to the origins of Islam, the original writings and meanings grant women the legal and social rights they need. 
The important rights of women, whether in inheritance, education, participating in society, all this is taught in Al-Azhar. But other scholars think trying to apply social rules from a 1,400-year-old religion to the modern world is a bit unrealistic. Marwa Sharafeddin is sitting in a busy coffee shop on her last day in Cairo before traveling. She helped found several women's rights NGOs here and works with the international organization Musawa, which advocates for family law reform in several countries. Now, when we say Islamic feminism, for me, it's a kind of feminism that draws inspiration from an Islam that calls for equality and justice, but also it's also a notion that does not exclude the lived realities of women and men today. She considers herself secular, but believes feminists need to accept that religion has a role to play in the women's rights movement. Islamic feminists differ over whether laws need to be reformed to better reflect the original Islamic jurisprudence or whether the religiously based laws should be tossed out altogether. Sharifuddin gives the example of preferential treatment for men in family inheritance laws, which are based on Islamic law. She argues that maybe made sense back when men were the sole source of income for extended families, but not anymore. Today in Egypt, a third of Egyptian households are headed by women. They are the main breadwinners. How are you going to talk about men being the protectors and providers of women according to Islamic law when you have this kind of reality here? She is among many women's rights activists watching carefully to see whether calls by Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi for a religious revolution will extend to revolutionizing the way Islamic laws are applied to women. I think that Islamic feminism is actually going to be the entry point for this whole renewal of Islamic discourse. So it will be up to the women themselves, the Muslim women themselves, who are not willing to let go of their religion, but at the same time they are not willing to accept being treated as second-class citizens because of a certain version of religion. This is why scholars like Cairo University's Abu Bakr are encouraged by channels of communication that have opened with al-Azhar and the government on these issues. She says that type of political engagement is a holdover from the Arab Spring when average Egyptians begin calling their government to account. She hopes the debate not only inspires her students, but also those outside the Muslim world who think the ideas of Islam and feminism cannot coexist. People need to uh, rethink this idea of an Islamic feminism uh, as an oxymoron. Put it in the context of, there's Christian feminism, by the way, there's Jewish feminism, there's Buddhist feminism. So it is not a freak phenomenon that Islamic feminism, and it's not even um, something that came out of the blue. It's not one paradigm, it's not one shape, it's not only mainstream Western feminism. And just like those different perspectives on feminism itself, she emphasizes there can be just as many different perspectives on Islamic feminism, as unique as each Muslim woman. And that, she says, is good for the religion and good for women. For America Abroad, I'm Kimberly Adams in Cairo.